0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. You may take a seat. How are we this morning? Good? Good? Had your second coffee already? Who's had their second coffee? I've had my second coffee. Is that okay? Is that an addiction? I don't know. I need to repent. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here this morning. I always love being at, uh, at Northwest Campus with Pastor Darren, Pastor Beck, and all you guys. I, I love being here. It's so fun. And you guys have got a drum kit this morning. Woo! Oh, 75 years later, drum jump- <laughs> Drum kit, arise! No, it is so good. Drum kit, come on! It is so good having some drums. Hey, let's give a hand to the creative team. They're incredible. So good. 75 years celebration today. Isn't that crazy? 75 years. I don't want to say who's been here the whole time, um, but it is incredible to to have a day to celebrate the legacy of this community. We're here because of people that were here 75 years ago decided, no, we're going we're gonna to do something with God. We're going to do something in this city. We're going to be part of what God is doing. And we here today are a result of their commitment, of their sacrifice, of their passion uh, for God and his kingdom. How good is that? So I think we've got some celebration at the end of the service, which is going to be incredible. It's going to be cake. Oh, William, my son, will wake up out of his sleep if he hears the word cake, I'll tell you what. He gets so excited about food. Uh, we mentioned dessert, and he's, uh, he throws his hands in the air and goes, dessert, like at the dinner table. He's passionate about food. Anyway, for those who don't know me, I'm sure I've met most people, but if you're visiting, you don't know me. My name is uh, Simeon, is my legal name. You can call me Simo, uh, or on Xbox Live, I'm symbolic Ewoks, but I don't play Xbox, so... <laughs> Uh, I don't know who plays Xbox. I I don't, so don't go looking for me. Uh, But my wife, Jess, and I, um, uh, we are young adults pastors, and we absolutely love doing young adults. It is uh, so much fun. And uh, we have three kids, and one is only four weeks old, so that's pretty cool. Uh, So we've got Audrey, William, and then Nathaniel, who's not walking or sitting by himself, but he's, yeah, he's like that. Uh, And it's pretty fun and exciting and it's keeping us busy, but he's pretty chill, he's pretty good. Uh, So pray for us, pray for us please. Who's been enjoying the uh, Philippians eight-week series? Eight-week journey, sorry, eight-week journey, uh, journey to the center of the earth, and um, who's been enjoying it? Who's been here, hands up, who's been here for the full eight weeks? Awesome, awesome. Look around at everyone who didn't have that. I'm no, just joking. Uh, I haven't been here for the whole eight weeks, but uh, it's been an, it's been so much fun just kind of digging deep in a book of the Bible, just digging deep in Scripture, just kind of moving our way through a book, really understanding the context, understanding the background, and I bet uh, you'll probably never read Philippians the same again. You'll probably uh, go through Philippians with such a great understanding that the gold and the wisdom and the revelation that you're going to be able to draw out in your quiet times with God is going to be phenomenal. And, um, and so it's so good. And I think as a, as a church, we're going to try and do this more. Every year, we're going to like pick a book of the Bible, and we're just going to hook in and have a good time and uh, really enjoy that book, which is going to be so much fun. But this is the last week. Yeah, last week, um, of the eight-week journey. So our journey concludes today and um, we're in the last portion of Philippians. So Philippians 4, 10, straight to the end. And when I saw that I was getting the end parts of Philippians, I thought, oh, the good stuff's done. You know, I thought I gotta, I gotta preach on like Paul's. You know, goodbye, everybody. You know, I love you. You know, uh, be good. <laughs> you know, all the things that when we get to the end of like some of Paul's letters, we think, you know, we're just like, oh yeah, that's nice. Paul's just saying goodbye. We'll get to the next one. Uh, but in my studies and delving in, I mean, there's so much. Even in Paul's like goodbyes, Paul is teaching so much stuff. Like it's immense what Paul is teaching. Uh, you would have noticed at the beginning, if you were here for the first week, just the beginning sentences of Philippians, how, de- how much time we could spend in Paul just like greeting the church. It's incredible. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to kick off. If you want to flick there or um, turn on your electronic Bible, let's go to uh, Philippians 4.10, and uh, I'm just going to read through it. So I'll give you some time to flick there. I'm in the analog version this morning. It's got less distractions. I will not be on Instagram or Facebook Marketplace uh, because of my analog, analog Bible. But here we go. Who's ready? Who's there? Who's there? Cool. All right. Philippians four ten onwards. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles." And have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he's got some like extra final greetings. He says, "Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus." The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So some celebrities got saved. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits. Amen. That's cool. Caesar's household. Some of, some of Caesar's household came into the kingdom because of the Philippian community supporting Paul in the advancement of the gospel. Isn't that incredible? Anyway, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, it's been a great journey. Eight weeks. Get the podcast. You can double up. Get Central's podcast. Get extra, and um, and you'll be you'll be overflowing with wisdom and knowledge from a Philippians. But this morning, uh, we're going to systematically move through these final portions of Philippians. And there's kind of three movements in this last moment. Paul is kind of he's thanking the Philippians for their gift. And before I get into it, I just want to kind of quickly re- rewind back and give a quick overview of the context and the beginning of Philippians. Just in case we forgot, it's been eight weeks. I forget, like yesterday, I got the memory of a goldfish. Is that the same? I'm not sure. Uh, Elephant? I forget. No, I didn't. That wasn't meant to be a joke. I forget. Um, But to set the scene for this letter, first of all, it's a letter. Let's not forget this is a letter. It's not, Paul uh, was writing this to a group of people. He was writing this. as a, It's actually classed as one of the most personal letters Paul ever wrote that are in the Bible. It's a very personal letter. It's an encouraging, uplifting letter. Hardly uh, any mention of sin. Paul doesn't, isn't too heavy-handed on correcting the church whatsoever. It's just a deeply personal, loving letter to the Philippians. Now, Philippi uh, was actually the first church community in, uh, established in Europe. It was in a Roman city, which was Philippi, uh, so it was established under a Roman culture, the oppressive government of the Roman culture, uh, who didn't like Christians, uh, but Philippi has stuck with Paul for a long, long time. In the very beginning, um, they've been partnering with Paul, and as Paul mentioned there, uh They've been one of the only churches that have partnered with him. And here Paul is now. Paul hasn't been, uh, they think that Paul hasn't been uh, back to Philippi. Uh, while he's reading, writing this letter, he's actually in Rome in prison, in chains. Uh, but they think he hasn't been back to Philippi for like 10 years. So this is like 10 years later. Now we don't know how much contact had been going uh, between those 10 years. But it's been a long time since Paul had been able to get back to the, the, fir- the, the establishment of that first community in Europe. And, um, and so as we read that this is a thank you letter to the Philippian church, because while Paul is in prison, uh, Epaphroditus was sent from the community Philippi to bring him gifts. Now that could be financial and food and clothing, because while your imprisonment under the Roman government, uh, they didn't give you three square meals a day, they didn't give you exercise time, uh, you know all the things we see on the uh, prison TV shows. I don't know. <laughs> Does anyone watch prison TV shows? Uh, I, I mean, you know, in the movies. Uh, he didn't. He didn't have a bed. He didn't have supplies. So the Philippians sent someone with the supplies, and this letter is Paul essentially giving thanks back to the Philippian community, which is powerful, which is incredible. But what's interesting is. Paul doesn't directly thank them till this moment we get to at the end of Scripture. So Paul begins with some really nice words, and he thanks them at the beginning of Philippians. You know, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers of you. I always pray with you and joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. But he never specifically thanks them for the actual gift of Epaphroditus coming and bringing, them, bringing him the gifts. He waits to last. And some scholars or some people, as you read it, might think, gee, this sounds like, Paul, the, kind of a bit of a strange relationship between the Philippians and Paul. You know, Paul waited a while to actually thank them in his letter, you know. But no, this is actually Paul leaving. We've got to remember that this, this letter is, is to be read out loud to the community of the Philippians. And Paul has actually left the best to last. He's like, I want to leave them with the thing that I want them to remember. And it's my thanks, it's my thanks, and it's, it's kind of a deep kind of, it's a different kind of thanks, but Paul wants to leave the Philippians with his gratitude, his undying gratitude for their gift, and not just their gift, but as we'll see, their partnership in the gospel. Uh, so we're going to move through, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. So get your notepads out, get ready. I just want to start at the beginning, and, uh, and really, the first point, um, this is about their gift and Paul's need the Philippians' gift and Paul's need. And we're gonna, I'm going to read through it again. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Now, straight off the bat, it sounds like Paul's kind of being a bit, uh, you could read it like Paul's like, it took you a while. You know what I mean? Like, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Like, thank you for your gift, but phew, it took you a while. Like, geez. Geez, guys. <laughs> took you a while. But he qualifies really quickly. He says, indeed, you've been concerned. He's like, it's okay. I know you've been concerned, but you, you had no opportunity to show your concern. You had no opportunity to show it. I rejoice greatly, the Lord, that you have last renewed. That word renewed actually means is like, like a blossom, like a flower blossoming. And in this opening sentence, in this opening portion of the end of the book, you know, Paul's finished with his main concerns and exhortations, and this is what he's leaving with him. He's like, I'm so excited that our relationship has blossomed. He's trying to say off the bat, this is more than just about the gift that you have given me. This is about you. This is about our partnership. This is about our connection. This is about your heart for the gospel and your partnership in the gospel with me. And what I think about that we can learn straight off the bat in these very first sentences is how in this community, this community called church, that we, you know, we're advancing the kingdom of God, we're sharing the gospel, we want to see the re- uh, the city reach for God, and we're doing all kinds of things, we've got groups throughout the week, we've got Sunday services, we've got teams, and straight out the gate, we're learning something from Paul here. Actually, in verse 9, in chapter 4, verse 9, which I don't have this in the screen, Paul actually says to the Philippians, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So even in these final remarks, Paul is teaching us things. He's saying, hey, watch my life. Listen. Listen to the things that I've learned. Follow them. And the God of peace with you. So what can we learn from this? I think we can learn uh, how to treat people. How to treat people that are in partnership in this community with us, how we can treat them right. How we can treat, maybe we can treat them as a person and love them as a person before we love them as a resource. That's what Paul's trying to say. He's saying, I love you, Philippians. This is exactly what he's saying. I love you, Philippians, as people in partnership with me before I love you as a resource to me. How good is that? That we can encourage people, not because of how they can serve us. You know, Some of us are on teams in here. Not because of how, they can, how well they can serve us on a team, but because we love them. And because we're in Christ, because we're in community, and we're in connection, and, you know, even if they leave your team and go be part of another team, we can love them just the same way as when they were serving us in our team than when they weren't. That we love the connection and the partnership and the community and them as a person and a friendship more than them as a resource. And straight out the gate, Paul is trying to push the point because Paul's just received this awesome gift, and he doesn't want to, he wants to thank them a lot, But he doesn't want to come off like he's thanking them because, you know, they've given him a gift. Like if someone gave me uh, a brand new car, uh, like, I don't know, just something I really like, an expensive brand new car. I don't want to go overboard with the thanks and like, oh, you're my new best friend. Like you are my best friend. Like I knew it all along. It's going to come off. (laughs) It's going to come off wrong. And Paul is trying to come off genuine in his love and his rejoicing, not of their gift, but of their partnership in the gospel. And what's funny in this moment is that um, he starts thanking them, but he digresses really quickly. He kind of gets, you know, it's kind of like squirrel. Like he get, he almost gets distracted. Um, if you're like me, I get, ask Jess, I get distracted like all the time. I've actually got my motorbike license, but I'm too scared to ride a motorbike because I'm afraid I would, get distracted and just like look be looking at something and crash into the back of a car um um, but Paul kind of gets distracted here and he says he starts thanking them he says you have been concerned but had no opportunity to show it and then he begins to say I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances Paul launches, it's like he can't help but preach. He can't help but start to teach and show, some, uh, show the Philippians some things in the way he lives. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any in, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. How good is that? This is like, this is one of those scriptures that we've heard a lot of in church because it is so good. And I would say it's probably key to our cultural moment right now. It's key to a lot of us, for a lot of us to remember where our contentment is actually found. And what's interesting is Paul, um, in his day and age, uh, a popular philosophy that was being debated amongst the, the Romans and the Greeks was actually the philosophy of Stoicism. Has anyone heard of Stoicism? Yeah. It's actually gaining a lot of popularity right now currently, uh, the, the teachings of the Stoics and Stoicism. And so Paul used to actually debate with some of the Stoics. In Acts, there's actually a scripture where Paul, in Acts 17, 16 to 21, I think I've got it on the screen. Did I, did I put that on the slide? No, I didn't. Paul was actually in Athens. It says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with both the Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. And a group of Epicurean, which is a a form of Stoicism, and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. So Paul's getting in like a stash with the Stoics. And uh, some of them asked, What is this babbler? Paul got called a babbler, you know to trash talk. He said, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seemed to be advocating foreign gods. They're talking about Paul. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and his resurrection. Then they took him and brought him aside to a meeting in AeroPegs, not AeroPress, if you're looking at your Bible, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we'd like to know what they mean. Because all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Sounds a bit like our current, like the moment that we're in right now. And there was a popular uh, Stoic by the name of Seneca at this time. He, he was a, Has anyone heard of Seneca? The writings of Seneca are gaining popularity. A lot of it is great stuff, but I've got a couple of quotes here. He was, he was actually between, um, during the time, a similar time period to Paul is writing this letter, Seneca was actually an advisor to Nero. And this is one of the quotes from Seneca. I think I've got it up on the screen says, true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependent on the future. Not to not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied with what we have, which is sufficient. For he, for he that is so wants nothing. The, that sounds pretty good so far, right? It's like, oh, that sounds like it could be from the Bible. It says, the greatest blessing of mankind are with us and within, within our reach. A wise man is content with his lot, whatever it may be, without wishing for what he has not. But what I want to point out is in the next slide, says the great he actually says the greatest blessing of mankind are within us and within our reach. This is a stoic philosophy that our contentment is found within ourselves. And Paul in this moment is actually, he's referencing kind of the pop culture of the day, which was Stoicism. He's referencing it, but as we see, he flips it on its head and includes Jesus and changes the whole thing with the reality of Christ. It's so amazing. And um, as we see, Seneca sounds right, but is completely off base. Marcus Aurelius who was a Roman emperor a couple hundred years later, was actually heavily influenced by Seneca. And this is another quote from him. It says, Very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all within yourself, in your way of thinking. Wow, that sounds fantastic, except it says it's all within yourself and in your way of thinking. Our self-help movement of today, the popular self-help movement, is like a rebranded Stoic philosophy. It's like pop Stoic today. And uh, they're kind of taking these kind of quotes and then putting them on nice images and, you know, flooding our Instagram and Facebook feeds with all these kind of things, all the while mental health and uh, and mental distress is increasing at the same rate that our comfortable uh, kind of culture and worldly possessions and everything else that comes with Western life increases at the same time. So it seems to me the Stoics were wrong, and Paul comes along and he changes. He flips the whole thing on his head, on the, on its head, which is incredible. He starts off sounds right. He says, "For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want." Sounds Stoic, but then he says, "I can do everything through Him who gives me strength." I can, it's not, he's he got everyone's ears, they're like, they're listening, they're like, yeah, Paul, this is some good stuff, I've been hearing this on the podcasts, and then all of a sudden, he's saying, hey, it's not, contentment's not found within yourself, it's not found within, only restlessness is found within yourself, no, true contentment is found outside yourself, it's on him, it's in Christ, and lucky we are in Christ, therefore, we can rest in Christ. And Paul is just trying to push the point that our contentment cannot be in anything else. Cannot be in anything else. Statistics actually show that, as our in the West, like I said before, as we get more comfortable, as we get more, more efficient, all these things that we have, it is not in, happiness is dropping. Happiness is completely dropping. We're in third world countries. They have hardly anything. And people are going over. People are visiting. They come back and they're like, I can't believe how happy they are. I can't believe how content they are. I can't, I can't understand how they are so happy. We're, we're, we're dealing with an opioid crisis in the West. We're, we're dealing with so many mental health issues. And here Paul says, I've learned the secret. We should have our ears like and our eyes glued to this scripture. Because I don't know about you, but I get I get I get into the sucked into the Instagram vortex of people on holidays and people having this or that, but we can never find our contentment in gaining material wealth or gaining extra material possessions. Your contentment isn't found in materialism or consumerism, the next new thing. It's not found in the never-ending accumulation of experiences of extra holidays, of visiting every country in the world, whatever it might be. It's not found in uh, financial security. It's not found in status or prestige. It's not found in, you know, accumulating the highest status in your workplace or climbing the ladder and trampling on every single other person to get there. It's not found in status or prestige. Because you'll get there and find that you're still just as unhappy as you were trying to climb that ladder. It's not found... uh, It's only found... In Christ. It's not found in your lounge room being perfectly tidy. Or friends with parents in the room. Your contentment's not found in your lounge room looking like that Pinterest like board that you've created with all the beautiful furniture and like the huge TV or whatever it might be. It's not found in that. No, the the fulfilment of your goal or your hope in those things. The fulfillment is actually your demise because you get there and you find out that it doesn't fulfill. And we don't want to live, we don't want to live our whole life and get to the end of it. And realize, Paul's right. Paul's right. My whole life has flown by me, and Paul is right. And Paul is saying, he's trying to give us a shortcut. He said, I've learned it the hard way. And we've got to remember Paul's in prison. Paul is not in a nice prison, it's probably damp, dark, no sunlight. He's, he's got chains on his hands. He's probably, they're probably bleeding because these chains aren't comfortable. They're not padded chains. And uh, he probably needs a chiropractor. Uh, he probably needs some work done. You know, he's probably sitting on the floor. He's probably starving. He's probably you know, very hungry. He's probably beaten and bruised. He's been insulted, treated horribly. He, and he's writing these words wow. to the Philippians who themselves would be under persecution in their culture. Because it's a Roman culture, a very similar culture of today that we're kind of oppressed by. Not that we're oppressed by a Roman government, but the system of the world thinking that kind of oppresses us is very similar today. And he's saying, I've learned the secret. He said, oh, I lived in abundance. He actually lived uh, with Lydia in Philippia, uh, Philippi when they first uh, planted the church. And he would have lived with in abundance. Beautiful house, she was quite well off, Lots of food, clothing, and now he's in prison. He's had the highs and he's had the lows. And he's saying, I've got a shortcut here. I'm presenting it for you. He's saying, I've learned. And I remember a preacher saying, there's a lot of pain in that one word, learned. I've learned what it is to be content in little and in much. And it's only found in Christ. Here he is writing this as he's in a prison cell, potentially waiting execution. He's like, he's saying, I'm content. I'm content in Christ. I'm content in Him. And so this morning, I wonder, like, I feel like we battle this a lot. You know, we, we find things that we're trying to find contentment in or peace or joy in that aren't Him. And we, all, we have to constantly recorrect our gaze or recorrect the posture of our heart back to Him. In the little moments, the moments that might not be like completely sinful or evil, you know, they're just little moments where something is stealing your joy completely. Kids could be going crazy and like ripping things off cars and all kinds of things, you know. But we can find our contentment and peace in Him. And one practical thing I think we can do is just in that moment, just invite God into the circumstance. Invite Christ into the moment. It's like God, help me. I just that that's gonna help. Just just like God, help me right now <laughs> when we're at work and we're stressed out and our heart is beating out of our chest. Just God, come right now, help me. Just help me in this moment when we wake up, our heart's beating, anxious thoughts, whatever it might be. Just spend a moment in His presence and go, God. You are my only source of hope. You are my only source of contentment. I need you. I can't do this in and of myself, and my circumstances might not change, but my contentment is in you, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. And Paul is trying to teach us this. It's really powerful because, as Scripture says, we can gain the whole world, and what's the use if we forfeit our soul? What's the use? And so Paul brings something really heavy to Philippians. He's saying, hey, I thank you for your gift. He digresses. And then he begins, after this moment, he begins to thank them again. He kind of gets out, he like steps up, you know, had that like little bit of a side. And he's like, okay, I digress. I'm going to get back to, I'm going to get back to thanking you. So it's like, okay, Paul. And uh, so we read when we begin in 14, Philippians uh, 4, 14 to 17, Paul starts to give the Philippians a bit of a history lesson in their partnership in the gospel. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I, sent, when I was sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again, when I was in need. In Corinthians, you can actually read Paul kind of, he's boasting to the Corinthians about uh, Philippi's generous giving. He actually says that they gave out of extreme poverty. And Paul is boasting in their history. He's saying, remember this legacy that we've had. We've been through thick and thin. We've been through all kinds of things, Remember the partnership. He's kind of highlight not just the gift that he's received there, but he's continuing to highlight, hey, our relationship has been powerful. And I thank you for every moment of this relationship. I thank you for sticking with me is what he's saying. He's thanking them for their gift as partnership. He's more concerned with their heart in partnership, that their heart has grown, that their heart has continued to mature because they continue steadfast with the ups and downs to partner with Him in the gospel. Paul isn't talking trash to the other churches. He's not trying to, you know, kind of encourage them through the put down of others. You know how some people do that, you know you're awesome, but you're so-and-so, you know, they're a bit, mm, but compared to them, you're awesome. He wasn't doing that. He's trying to simply express his gratitude that goes beyond the gift. He's trying to emphasize relationship. I think everything, if we can, one thing we can get out of the book of Philippians is that the kingdom of God is advanced through relationship. It's all through relationship. God put Adam and Eve in the garden, relationship, said subdue the earth. He said, I'm going to create something amazing through relationship. He puts a community of people together, disciples. The church is born, the community of believers. He said, I'm going to change the world through the relationship through the community of people called believers. We're here today because of the disciples. We're here today potentially because the Philippians partnered with Paul in the advancement of the gospel. This church has been in the city for 75 years. Going strong, seeing people saved, seeing people set free, seeing multiple, multiple community initiatives born, partnerships with the city, seeing the, uh, the, the poor being given to, all kinds of things, potentially because of the Philippians' heart in advancing the gospel with Paul. We are here today. And we are here today because, like I said before, the sacrifice of many others before us which is so powerful. You see, we've got to understand that in Paul's letter, uh, this whole letter is steeped in kind of the uh, the Greco-Roman culture of friendship, of reciprocity. Uh, I want to read this out of uh, Gordon Fee's commentary on this. It says, Greco-Roman friendship, especially re- to refer to consensual friendship, which would be evidenced by mutual debt and credit, giving and receiving. That is, gifts and services understood as benefits, mutually given and received. And this is almost certainly how we should understand Paul's usage. The combination of shared with me in also reflects the metaphorical use of the technical language, thus meaning something like this. You alone entered into partnership with me in this matter. So he's saying... In the context of Roman culture, there's a give and a take. There's a give and a take. And here, the Philippians have given to Paul, but we know Paul doesn't have much to give. He's in prison. Naturally, he would need to give something back to show his friendship. And this is where we launch into the next portion of the thanks. Philippians 4, 18 to 23. He says, "'I have received full payment and even more. "'I am amply supplied.'" Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. This is the moment where Paul finally thanks them technically for the actual thing that they've done for him, which is Epaphroditus bringing them his gifts. And he launches into this full-scale thanks. Now that he's got out of the way, the fact that it's about our relationship, not just the resource. It's about your partnership, not just what you can do for me. This is about a greater thing about legacy, not just the fact that I've got something from you. And he's now launches. now that he's kind of set that foundation, he launches into thanks. And he ties the whole thing up. He says, "Not that I, now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, he says, they are a fragrant offering. We don't use language like that today. A good fragrance, you know, like not links, you know. Uh, Armani or something, I don't know, like million dollar. A fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to His gl- glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you see what Paul's done here? Paul has thanked them. But instead of just thanking them on his behalf, he's saying, hey, your partnership with the gospel or your gift, Epaphroditus sending this stuff to me, your 10 years plus of partnership with me, these are not just gifts to me. He's saying these aren't just sacrifices. Your energy hasn't just been spent on me. No, your partnership isn't just about me. He brings God into the circumstance. In the context of kind of ancient Roman culture, where it's a two-party friendship, give and take, give and take, Paul does something different here. He inserts God into the equation. And now it's not a two-way relationship. It's a three-way relationship. And he says, this isn't just acceptable to me. Of course it is. And more so your relationship with me. But he says, this is acceptable to God. This isn't just physical, this is spiritual. This is this is a fragrant offering. This this is like, you know, they used to burn the offerings in the Old Testament and it would go up and they would, you know, it would be pleasing aroma. It, God would kind of, you know, when you go to a restaurant and they put food in front of you, for me it's like Mexican Enheito's burrito or tacos or something. And I just sit there for a moment and I just breathe it in. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for tacos like this. Uh, like I worship God in those moments. I'm not even joking. Smelling food is spiritual to me. That's where my son gets it from. And I just, it is like, I cannot wait. This is, this is fantastic. And he's saying, God, God thinks the same way about your gift. It's a fragrant offering. And I'd like to say that the 75 years of people's partnership with this community, every single one of us here, that not just do things on Sunday, but commit to community and commit to relationship, because this is how the kingdom of God is advanced. Not just programmatically on a Sunday, but community-wise, seven days through the week, connected heart to heart, person to person. Paul is trying to say and teach us that our sacrifices, opening up our home. Preparing food that costs money and energy and time. Coming early on a Sunday to set up things. Coming and like practicing at home, like the band would practice hours a week. I I, I guess so. Yeah, just say yes. And uh, the endless, the time and energy that people put in. Paul is saying this isn't just to this isn't just you and like the organisation of the church doing this. Or this isn't just you doing this for Pastor Darren and Beck. No, he's saying God is part of this relationship. And he's saying, your sacrifice and your energy is a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice to God. There's been 75 years of it. It's not wasted. Not a moment of it is wasted. Every moment of it is a, is, a, is an aroma to God's nostrils where he's like, this is good. This is so good. And I just wonder, sometimes I've got to remind myself when when kind of complacency or cynicism or a bad attitude kind of creeps in to our serving, or, oh, that person didn't encourage me, or they didn't notice that I did this, or, you know, I did that and no one thanked me, you know, all these kind of attitudes that start to to creep in just over time and with our human nature, I think we can remind ourselves, hey, this is for God. If no one else notices if I don't get any accolades, if I don't get Volunteer of the Year award for anything, if I never get an award, I don't get any awards anymore. When you turn become a pastor, you don't get awards, now. <laughs> Not allowed to nominate yourself and things, there. Oh, thanks, Pastor Darren. Not a moment of it is wasted because it's under God. And we can remind ourselves this is, a, this is an offering to God. I remember back in the day in youth days... Tim and Amy here, remember, you represent. Back in the day, like 10 years ago, uh, that's a long time ago. I remember as like an 18-year-old, like wringing myself dry of energy. Like I would go home so spent because of these uh, skate ramps we had to set up were so heavy, like it took all our energy. But the, the energy we poured into a Friday night, I would go home, so satisfied with how much energy I poured out because I knew I was doing it under God. I would go home like a sweaty mess, just like crawling through the door, like climbing up into my bed and just like going unconscious till 11 o'clock the next day. My nan's here. She would know. She will try and wake me up. You know, wake up. you got to start your day. I was serving the Lord, nan. Don't wake me up. <laughs> I wasn't a, a fragrant offering to the Lord, though. Um, <laughs> but there are moments in our life when we start serving God, and it's that passionate kind of fire to serve Him. Sometimes it dies a little, let's be honest. It kind of runs dry a little bit, and we get a, bit, we get a little bit worn out, and we get a little bit dry, and we kind of forget, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this under Him, and not one moment of us is wasted. So let's remind ourselves today. Every, every time you go to serve God, every time you start to do something, just remind yourself, this is not just for that person. It's for God. It's under God. This is my worship. This is my sacrifice to God, and it's a pleasing aroma. And let's remember, Paul can't physically give anything back to the Philippians in this moment. And so he says, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to send this to you, because like he's in chains, he's in prison. He's like, I, can't, I don't have anything. <laughs> he's like, i got nothing. He's like, I, he doesn't even have shoes probably. He says, but instead of replying with what would might be hey I'll come, I'll come preach, I'll come teach, I'll come I'll come do something for you no he does something different he says he says at the end I'll start at the start they are fragrant offering acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God he says and my God will meet all your needs This would have been shocking in that culture instead of Paul coming and meeting their needs because they met his needs he's like no he's saying he's saying God will meet your needs. God will provide everything you need. God will give you energy and tenacity and joy and hope to continue serving Him, to continue advancing the gospel, to continue partnering maybe for 75 years into the future. God is going to sustain you. God is going to give you everything you need. You don't need this or that. You just need God, and He's going to provide for you, and He's going to give you the inner strength that you need. It's kind of like those days in the schoolyard. With the friendships where they give and take, you know, like um, my friend used to always buy me a pie at the canteen because I didn't have any money. One day he called all those pies in. (laughs) He did. He called them all in. We're at KFC. I remember it. Charlestown Square, the old food court where like Cotton On Kids and the Secret Garden is, that cafe. That was the old food court. Anyone remember that? Yeah, the memories are flooding back. And uh, we're getting some KFC. And he turns to me and he goes, hey, you remember all those pies? Oh, yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I think you owe me, eh? (laughs) And I wish I should have said, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But this is kind of what Paul's doing. He's saying, he's like, he's palming it off to God. He's like, God's going to do it for you. God's going to supply for you. Don't wait on the leaders. Don't wait on the pastors. Don't wait on C3 Victory. Don't wait on whoever it might be that you're waiting on. No, wait on God. He is going to supply everything back to you. He's going to do it for you. He's going to give back to you. In those early days in youth, I sacrificed, you know, a Friday night of work. Amen, you know, how good am I? Halo. But I also sacrificed uni. I sacrificed a lot of uni. I sacrificed grades. I was like skimming past. And, uh... And it came to like fifth year and I always knew God was like, I'm going to give that back to you. He said, I'm going to provide back to you because you served and you gave up and you sacrificed. And I'll, I'll never remember. I came into my final year and I'm just limping like into my final year. In the second half, a uh, big assessment comes and uh, my tutor kicks me out of his group because he's like, you're doing horrible. I'm like, thanks, mate. All right. And I, I remember asking God. I invited God into my situation. I invited relationship in that moment. Didn't seem too spiritual, it was just uni, but I invited God. And I said, God, I sacrificed. God, I need your creativity right now. I need you right now to help me in this circumstance. And I produced this final year project that my tutor accepted me back into his group. And I remember he sat me down and he said, I don't know how you did this. He said, This is a miracle. He couldn't believe it. He actually said, This is a miracle. He said, did you hire people? Did you hire people to help you with this? Like he was dead He couldn't believe it. And I went on to get like first class honors in my uni degree. Even though throughout the year I was like failing this, failing that. God will provide. I'm telling you, you sacrifice, believe. He will provide. He will give back. He will do it for you. He is good. He is a good God. And Paul finishes with that beautiful thanks. And after that thanks, he busts out in worship and praise. Could we get the, would the band be able to come up? That'd be awesome. Is that cool? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna thank God this morning. It's called a doxology. That's like the uh, theological term for like bursting out in praise in a letter, which is interesting, you know. <laughs> we can burst out in praise on like Instagram with our face and stuff, but Paul's like doing it in a letter, which is, you know, who bursts out in praise on their text messages? Can you sure? Yeah, oh. Pastor Karen teaches. Uh, I just find it interesting, like bursting out in praise in letter. But after this, after thanking God, after bringing God into the circumstance, it's not just us partnering, it's three of us. This is a partnership in the kingdom with not just C3 Victory, Pastor Aaron Beck, but with God. And he brings God in the circumstance. And he says, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Shortest Worship song in history, but to our God and our Father, be glory forever and ever, Amen. It's just—it's a beautiful finish, and then there's that extra little finish, but this is kind of the main finish of the partnership of of Paul just being so grateful for the connection and the partnership in the gospel, not the resource, but the friendship. And I just think it's a beautiful example of church community, of us here today, partnering with one another, not just for ourselves. We're not just coming to receive, no, we're coming to partner. We're coming to advance the kingdom of God, to see the lost saved, to see revival in our city, to see the the broken lifted up, to see people healed. And this is what we're celebrating today, 75 years of people partnering in relationship, advancing the kingdom of God, which is called the church, the people of God advancing the kingdom of God. And we're celebrating 75 years of relationship that advances the gospel, that advances the kingdom. It's not contracts, it's not just programs, it's not just events, but it is through people that God establishes his kingdom. It's through people, it's through relationship. That's why Paul says, do not, do not forget meeting up with one another. In, that was kind of my paraphrase. But Do not forget meeting up with one another. It's not so we can have a full church building. Oh, yeah, we've got a full church building. He's like, no, because the kingdom dwells richly amongst relationship. So don't forget meeting up with one another to build each other up to sharpen one another to encourage one another to cry on each other's shoulders to pray for one another this is how the world will see when my the world sees that my disciples love each other this is how the kingdom of god is going to be advanced this is how the church is going to advance for another 75 years 100 years and who knows the legacy that this community is going to leave if we're a part of the legacy of philippi and paul Imagine in a thousand years what we are doing right now. We, don't, we can't see it. But if we do it under God, He's going to use it. If we use the small thing we have, He's going to use it in a thousand years. He's gonna, the, the, the impacts through history is going to blow our mind when we get to heaven. So I want us to stand this morning. I want us to worship. I want us to worship God. I want us to find our contentment in Him again. But I want us to worship Him that He is our true source, that He is our only source, that we can thank Him, that we can just serve and worship and advance the kingdom of God. Come on, let's start to praise Him. We thank You, Lord. You are mighty God. We love You, Jesus. We praise
1: 75 years is a long time so many ways the church is just getting started in our city. There's a lot more people that are going to come to Christ. And we're going to see that our role now helps to build a legacy for them. What we give and what we sow and and the time, the effort, the money, the prayer, the meeting up, the turning up. You know, the the deliberate, intentional acts that we do, all the side conversations and coffees, it's all part of this. It's all part of legacy. It's all part of what are you and I building that's gonna make a difference tomorrow. It's gonna make a difference next year, in five years, in a hundred years time. What's gonna be the legacy that gets credited to your account, right? So great. We've been around for like 17 years. You know, we, we're a part of the legacy of Victory, the legacy of Charlestown Baptist Church, you know, the legacy of of Victory Baptist and Victory Christian Centre and then Christian City Church Victory and C3 Victory, you know. But but, but we, we, we claim the title for the most logos for our church. We had far more logos than Victory ever had. I can show you the page of all the... Anyway, it was good. Babe, can you come up? Um... I just want to just mention a couple of people who've been around in our community for a long, long time. Uh, we, We just know that the Olivers, you guys have been around for a long time in this community. You guys are amazing and we love you. So good. There's some photos on screen. There's some really great ones of Beck and I coming up as well. You're going to love those. Uh, Also, Faye and Greg Harder, you guys have been such pillars of strength in our community for so, so long and we love you. Uh, It's so good to have Kylie and Dan that have come back from uh, Northern Territory and they've just moved back here, which is amazing. And you guys have been so Valuable in our community for so long, and uh, and we've got some amazing people from from C3 Hope, you know, who are here right now. You are planted in our in in our family right now and you have been sowing in for so many years. So if you've been a part of C3 Victory for, for in any of its forms for the past, for more than 10 years, can you just lift your hand for us? Awesome, 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 awesome. This is so good. So good. We love it. We just want to bless you and thank you. And we're going to cut a cake. Can we bring that cake Right here, right now, because we're going to cut this. They're doing a very similar thing at Central Campus right now, but um.
0: And it needs Josh to carry it, right? It, it, it's
1: gonna. We need someone really muscly and really here. strong have to, stay to carry it. That's why I'm not carrying it. <laughs> but and we're just gonna uh, we're gonna cut some cake. We're gonna eat like let there be cake. Yeah. And you know, like, yeah. is is William awake yet? Because we're gonna have cake. It I don't will know. Be soon. But here it comes. And um, it's really important. It's really important to think about the legacy that we're a part of. And it's a really important thing to think about the legacy that we're leaving.
0: Thank you, Josh. That's a cake. We're going to
1: have some serious cake today. Here we go, babe.
0: It's like our wedding. I know. It's like our wedding day.
1: <laughs> Woo! Except we got lots of kids <laughs> so over weird. there. Ready? You, you're gonna hold oh, it with me. Yeah. here we go. Ready? Ready go. Everybody, cheer! All right, or do something. Mm-hmm. God bless you. Um, The children will be staying up the back. You still need to check your kids out. So please go to your children now and you can talk to the leader and receive your children back to you. Um, God bless you. If you want to know more about having Jesus in your life, I would love to speak with you. And we are done. God bless you. We'll see you during the week or next Sunday.
0: Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.